my calculations are correct, when this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. It's showtime. Right, welcome everybody to another episode of the VHS Strikes Back. I am one of your hosts, Chris Phelps, and my co-host and very good friend is Mr. Dave Horrocks. Hey there, Chris, and hello to our listeners out there. Welcome to the VHS Strikes Back, the show where we dust off the old video player and go on a nostalgic journey to to look at the good and bad movies of yesteryear. Now, Chris, we did have a little uh, ponderous look at ourselves that the first trilogy that we actually completed was that of No Retreat, No Surrender. So there's something wrong with us there, I think. <laughs> so we did tackle a, a very uh, iconic movie, didn't we? Yeah. And we're, we need to carry on working our way through that trilogy. So what are we going to review this week? Well, we're going for the 1989 sequel to back to the future entitled back to the future two dave so yep. <laughs> very very thick and imaginative titling <laughs> yeah <laughs> now we, ha- we have sort of come to this conclusion apologies again there was no episode last week i was uh, up in bed one of dave being very ill with having a little operation and the reason we decided on this as well and you're right we always laugh about the no, no surrender trilogy being completed <laughs> over anything else was I was just watching it randomly and messages saying it's a great film while I've been laid up uh, at home. And it's like, let's do it. And I'm glad we've done it because, again, I've said this when we did Back to the Future, it is probably my favourite trilogy of all time. And I'm I'm interested to see what you think and and everything else. I mean, what was the last time you'd actually watched this, Dave? Uh, I I think probably last year, to be honest. This is one that I can go back to again and again. I've got it on Blu-ray as well. Um, so, uh, you know, it's not one that, you know, I watched last time in the eighties or nineties or anything and and haven't watched for ages, but, uh, again, it it probably hasn't been since we've reviewed so many of the old movies. So when I came back for the rewatch this time, um, you know, I did spot a a few more things than I probably did just watching it and going along with it. But, um, I, I can't really place as well where i saw this one for the first time because it's just one of those that it's just been there for so long now and i've watched it so many times and i know it came out 89 but you know i just loved it and for me i remember at the time i thought it was a step up from the first one and not to divulge too much but i'm i'm not sure i quite think of it the same way you know coming back to it this time but what about yourself, Chris? Yeah, I'm with you. I remember one of my best friends had gone on a sort of weekend trip to London and he did go and watch this in a cinema. And I remember him coming back, queuing, because we used to go watch the odd film. It wasn't always great because we couldn't really afford to go to the cinema. But I'd watched a couple of films and I literally say like a handful of films up to about 89, 90. And I remember him saying, I watched Back to the Future 2 and... It, all the audience in London got up and clapped and everything. And he said, yeah, he wasn't a premiere. He was just in some cinema somewhere in the central London. And I remember him coming back saying to me, and there was a trailer for the third one. Now, obviously there was no internet then. The only way you ever read about things like this was in the, the weekly newspapers, daily newspapers. And I remember at the time, there was a big hoo-ha about Michael J. Fox getting dressed up. He was playing his son. Obviously he's just basically Marty, but he also played the daughter 
And I remember the papers covering it, and I was like, I've got to see this film. Why the hell's he got dressed up as his daughter and stuff? And and it was all sort of uh, not not a frenzy, but it was great PR for the movie. And the fact that I remember reading the article when I was, I mean, Dave, 89, 90, I was like 12, 11 years old. And I remember him saying they filmed them back to back. And I was like, oh, this is going to be amazing. So I would have rented this literally at the first opportunity it came out or the first opportunity that you could get from the video shot that someone hadn't got it out because it was a very popular VCR, uh, VCR, VHS at the time. But no, I, since then, I've watched it numerous times. I've had it on video collector's edition. And I, I like yourself, I've got a special uh, Blu-ray collector's edition trilogy, Back to the Future. Now, I'm going to piss you off a little bit here, um, Chris, because I was at uh, London Super Comic Con a few years ago, and I, I a lot of the times I'll just order the tickets and just go. I won't look at the creators. I won't look at who's going there or whatever. It only turned out to be the 30th anniversary of Back to the Future. And so... All the cast were there, uh, apart from Biff. Biff was one of the main people um, who wasn't there, but Michael J. Fox, Leah Thompson. <laughs> it was fucking brilliant. Just happened to turn up, and they did this whole panel, and they were reminiscing and talking about making the movie and what have you. Uh, Elizabeth Shue, actually, she'd be another one, but she she wasn't in the original, so it, it was the original actress whose name I can't remember. But oh, honestly, mate, it was fucking brilliant. Honestly, and and even I mean Michael J. Fox, I know he's I know he's got his health problems, but I mean he he was in good form as well. You know he's still very much switched on. So um, yeah, that that was really good fun. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Anyway, this has been a great episode. <laughs> uh, I want to thank you. Uh, her name's Claudia Wells, who played the original Jennifer as well. By the way, yeah, um, yeah. And anyway, thanks, Dave, for that. Just to piss me off, but no, I mean I, I can only imagine it's fantastic and. It's a shame, really, because there's a run of the Back to the Future musical on at Manchester uh, at the moment at the Palace Theatre. And quite a few lads have gone from work and said it's absolutely outstanding. And then it's going to go around the world, Dave. So I think it's in London next. What do you think's just happened? I've been looking at the tickets. You can pick them up for £20 each. Cancelled all fucking shows now, aren't they, because of this bloody coronavirus? So Yeah, I was going to say you ain't going anytime no, soon. But I believe the guy who plays George McFly is absolutely a doppelganger for Crispin Glover. He's absolutely amazing, apparently. And I mean, they all are, but apparently he's the standout guy in the whole production. I think the only pretense of the production is they don't have uh, the they don't have the car in the movie until sort of the end, but the whole pretense is the doc gets uh, infected with plutonium and that's how they go back in time or something like that. It's some because oh no, sorry, the car's there, but they don't have the terrorists and stuff because they can't you know drive uh, the car okay. off. So it's some slight change, but everything else is beat for beat, and it's supposed to be absolutely fantastic. I've not heard any bad reviews of it. It's been five stars. So if you do get a chance when it's up your way, Dave, I definitely get on that. Yeah, I think. Um, and have you seen the footage of Tom Holland? Yep. Yeah, he does a pretty good job, to be fair. Now, I don't want them to remake this movie, but uh, yeah, no, it, I, I was, I had to do a double take. You know, he looks so much like a young Michael J. Fox, doesn't he, um, with the hair and everything. So, uh, so yeah. Well, should we get into our trailer? Let's go. Do you remember the future?
Where? Back to the future. Are we back? We're back. What do you mean we're in the future? October 21st, 2015. Marty, we're going to be able to see our wedding. Wow. The future. I got to check this out, Doc. Look what happens oh. to your son. Oh. He's a complete wimp. Don't talk to anyone. You've been looking. Hey, look. Don't touch anything. I need to borrow your hoverboard. Come on, come on, come on, come on. And try not to look at anything. I didn't invent the time machine to win at gambling. I can't lose. I invented a time machine to travel through time. Hey, Doc, I'm all for that. What's wrong with making a few bucks on the side? Now, the time continuum has been disrupted, creating an alternate 1985. There have been a few changes. It's like we're in hell or something. No, it's Hill Valley, although I can't imagine hell being much worse. But they'll all be back. Eat lead slackers! Biff? Hello? Well, they can't be you. You're so big. Michael J. Fox. Christopher Lloyd. Michael J. Fox. More like a couple of teenagers, you know? And Michael J. Fox. Mom, is that you? Steven Spielberg presents a Robert Zemeckis film, Back to the Future. Gotta get back in time. Part 2. Coming November 22nd to theaters everywhere. Now we start off where the first film finished, don't we? And so uh, the doc declares that there's a problem with Marty's kids, so they've got to go back to the future. Um, and then they set off to go there. Now, what do you make to the opening of this movie, Chris? Well, I think one thing we need to address is the fact that Claudia Wells is not Jennifer. And one of my absolute crushes, which I mentioned on our Karate Kid review and everything on comics and that, is Elizabeth Shue. He's now Jennifer. Now, Claudia Wells couldn't do the part. She wasn't in good health, so had to sort of step down. And they recast it. Well, the problem they had, they had to film the whole thing again for this bit because there's always been talk about they obviously set it up for a, a sequel. They didn't. Bob Gale always wished that they hadn't done this because he didn't want Jennifer there when they were, made, they were writing the second one and they were going to try and set it around about 1967 12 years forward from 50 obviously 55 when they went back in the first one oh, and it, right. it messed up loads of the shot stuff and it was an absolute nightmare to, to do it beat for beat I think they do a really good job I know there's a couple of continuity things there's a bit where the doc hesitates and I think Michael J Fox has got a watch on in the second one but I wouldn't even known that. I know the doc one's slightly different, but I think they do a good job. I, you know, it's funny you say that, and I, I didn't have time. I, I didn't do any research, but I know, I know this is a sweet spot for you, so I thought let's just go for it. Um, but the thing that came across to me was more about um, the doc's performance, you know, so um, Christopher Lloyd, and I, I've seen this on documentaries before. More, more about the first one that, you know. When the camera goes on, like he just he just bursts into life. Now, when you're going through run-throughs and what have you, you get like sixty percent of that performance. The thing that seemed off to me was how much energy he had at at the start because it, it seemed very very flat, you know. And I, I remembered it 
as being, you know, Marty, it's your kids, Marty. We've got to go. Yeah. We've got to do something about your kids. And and when I watched it this time, I was like, it seemed very flat. It's like, Marty, we've got to do something about your kids. <laughs> yeah. It's like, there was something off and I, I didn't have time to just go and, and check out what that was. But it sounds like they just reshot the whole thing. And, and of course, with Elizabeth Shue being there, of course, they've, they'd have had to, wouldn't they? But I'll tell you what else comes across to me, Chris. I mean, like I say, I've loved this movie for many, many years as well. But wouldn't just a bit of advice have done? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the way time works, isn't it? If I say, uh, you know, if if I'd have gone back into the past uh, a couple of weeks ago and said, stock up on some bog roll, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'd have been able to go to the shops and buy some now. But um, yeah, surely just a bit of advice would have done. <laughs> yeah, that's where, I mean, obviously, look, I agree. As a movie, it, this this movie out of all three of them, whether you think it's the best or, or the worst or whatever you, anyone thinks of it, had so many things that had people thinking because of the future. Because, the you know, obviously went back to 55. We've sort of seen that done in old movies as well before this, but never as the original so well. And it was so good, the first one. This one, I personally like this one, I do. But the fact that, the way they had to sort of forward think everything, I think it's fantastic. You know, I mean, I'm a car lover and I can clearly see that a lot of the cars, like there's a Mustang there with a fucking shit Halford's body kit on, which Griff drives. It's just the 1985 or 87, whatever his Mustang with a, a Fox body Mustang, it's called with, with a shit kit on it. Um, but then you've got cars from like the fifties, the taxi and that they're like 1950, I think Citroens or Renaults, you know, and they've put like kits on. So I think, I, I enjoy it, but I must admit there's a couple of bits in the movie, and I think maybe because I've watched it hundreds of times, that still piss me off at the start. Like when they're in the car and they've gone in the, the, the dock and the DeLorean and they've just come through the timeline and they're in the future. and he's dodging all them taxi cabs and it's raining. Yeah. And she's there going, Jennifer's going, what? We're in the future. Oh, my God, I get to see that. And, and, and Michael J. Fox cringes even now and he goes, it's a time machine, you know, it's or something like that. It's like, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> it's really some proper, uh, as you would say, Devin, still your buttock-clenching, cringy bits in this movie, especially. <laughs> yeah, and, and again, I guess, um, it's, I'm thinking back to what you said about before about them filming that end piece for the first movie and having to deal with that because it, it just did seem a bit weird that Jennifer would just you know she'd she'd pass out and then they just put her on the on the side there, there there's no real reason for her to be there in the future at all so so actually I I, I think that's quite good now because <laughs> before I was wondering why she was there it's like well She's there because we filmed it that way, but we kind of have to write her out because we've got no place for her in the story. This is this is all about Marty McFly, isn't it? But um, you know, I do like the fact that you get very quickly introduced. We we get the shark, don't we? Yeah. Which uh, he says, oh, you know, still still looks fake, and um, he goes into the into the restaurant dressed up as his as his kid. And we get to meet Biff, and and for me, you know, although I say Marty McFly is the is the star of it, Biff, or what what was was the young Biff called? Uh, Griff. Uh, Griff, yeah. Him, yeah. Uh, it's just 
over-the-top chewing scenery <laughs> performance. I, I do love it, even though it's just no one would ever portray it that way, I don't think, now, unless it was like, I don't know, fucking Power Rangers or something. But I, I, I really enjoyed his performance, to be honest. I do, and I, you're right. It's uh, Thomas F. Wilson in it, who's Biffer, and, and Griff, and Buford Tannen, Mad, Mad, uh, Mad Dog Tannen. I think the the thing is, we say it, we always say it, me and you, I know people are going to get bored of us saying this, but you've got to have a bad baddie or a good baddie to make the hero shine. Now, aesthetically, you know, Thomas F. Wilson must be at least a foot taller than Michael J. Fox. He must be 6'3", yeah, 6'4". Yeah. He's a big fucking guy. And Michael J. Fox is, what, five foot four in heels? You know what I mean? He's not a big guy. So it, that, that side of it was always like, he's never going to be able to chin Biff, even in the first one, in, in the skateboard bit, you know, and he, he knocks him over. Because it always used to make me laugh, and obviously I've just recently watched him because I've been off. I watched the first one again. Is when he grabs Biff because he's got hold of his mum in the canteen in the first one, and they put the fists up against each other, and, and he comes over Strickland, and Michael J. Fox looks like a fucking little four-year-old kid trying to punch a blow. He just looks ridiculous. And uh, he, he manages, Marty manages to come out on top. But I mean, what do you, what do you make to this section? Because I, I absolutely love it. I, I'm the same. I mean, obviously, Griff is trying to get Marty's junior to go with a mini and all that. And they're like, you know, you got no scrotes. And that girl picks him up by his bollocks, throws him over. They, they change over. That's when he gives him a crack, doesn't he? And Biff grabs his hand and then he ends up kicking him and he runs off. And, and I think... The hoverboard, as a skateboarder around this time, and someone who I only got a skateboard because of Back to the Future mentioned it in our first ever episode on the VHS. I love skateboarding, and I did it up to like 14, 15 years old. Wasn't the best, but I could hold my own. Do you know what I mean? We used to have a little ramp and all that. A friend of mine had a ramp. I wasn't Michael J. Fox level, but I could I could do it. Um, I loved it. And I was fascinated, Dave, for years after this, for hoverboards, the magnetic, reverse magnetic thing. I remember watching it at the time thinking, well, how would they do that? And like, well, you need two magnets. You need a magnet underground. And obviously, you've got the magnet. And you put two magnets together, uh, the same size, and they just bounce off each other. And I remember like being absolutely, I mean, it's, it's beat for beat, a copy of the first one. However, the bit always gets me with Griff when he comes out and he's like, uh, you know, Yo, McFly, you can't go there. Yeah, you need power. And then he pulls out this fucking monster one and yeah. hooks him on. <laughs> and, and I remember there was a game for, I think it was the, the Master System at the time or maybe the Mega Drive. And it was pretty shit, but I remember, I never really bought it. I remember a friend had it and I borrowed it off him. But I remember playing that scene over and over where they're chasing him. And obviously, it's sort of side scroll. It wasn't a 3D effect. And they're chasing him, you know, and you've got to like dodge different objects and stuff around it. But yeah, what an iconic. I mean, you've got that. For me, in this movie, you've got that, and you've also got the, the Air Mag trainers. Them Air Mag trainers, Dave, I tried to get them a few oh, years ago. Yeah. They are. One of my all-time things I've always wanted. And I know that my knight didn't, but they are like rocking all shit to get over them. Yeah. And and I tell you as well, I love the, you know, the Back to the Future theme music as well. And it's bursting out the TV at this point, isn't it, around the chase. And, and uh, oh, I just love it. Love everything about it. And, and this is as well where we get the kind of, the Back to the Future um version of time travel where it's all one timeline 
and certain events change. You know, in, in Avengers Endgame, we saw something a, a bit different, didn't we? A whole parallel universes type thing. Um, but this one, you know, they get to see in the in the newspaper that they have changed history. The son is no longer going to go to jail, and it's actually Biff. So everything is good in the world, apparently. Apparently, and I do think, <laughs> to be fair, Dave, it's not something. Uh, I genuinely be serious, but it's not something that I've never, ever, never I've ever thought about. Well, what you said is so right about the fact that. Well, why didn't they just have a chat with him and go, "Look, on this day, you are not going out," or as you get older, or because the stuff that we get alluded to about Marty and the Rolls Royce, don't we? With the fact that he, he, this thing comes in now where it's like, are you chicken? He's never, he was never in the first one. Yeah. But they brought this in now, which I love. I love this whole idea of the fact that if someone challenges him and says he's yellow or chicken, it runs through the second and third film. But it's stuff that has affected him. However, it wasn't in the first one. So it's, it's, it's a bit... Not a complete U-turn, because I think it works brilliantly, and it's a great subplot throughout both of these two movies. But why wasn't it ever dropped in there in the first one? He's obviously got a bit of bollocks about him. He has, he's not bothered about having a scrap with Biff in the first one and all that stuff and standing up for himself, even though he's only tiny. It's just a strange... It's a strange way to bring it in. However, the doc could have easily said to Marty, you know, you have an accident when you're like 17, so if I were you, I wouldn't race him in your new truck. Yeah. Why didn't he just, if he'd have told him at that point when he comes back with Jennifer and said, you're going to go out in this truck in a minute. Don't go out. Please don't go out. And if needles turns up in the truck, don't race him. That, if he'd done that, <laughs> we, I mean, I know we needed the films, but we wouldn't have needed the fucking films, would we really? Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, because when he goes back, you know, to 1985, it's it's right after that they have the race. Isn't yeah, yeah, exactly. So why don't so you just, Ari? We got to go to the future for this thing we're going to do. This convoluted story that we're going to uh, or journey that we're going to embark on uh, to correct this thing that's going to happen to you tomorrow. But you really have to <laughs> learn this life lesson for yourself. <laughs> Something's got to be done about your kids. <laughs> it's just like if the doc is such a good friend, why doesn't he say because? We get in the first one, the fact that he writes a letter to the doc, don't we? And then the doc rips it up and the doc ends up fucking uh, sticking it together and realises he needs to wear a bulletproof vest when they're in Twin Pines Mall and all that stuff. So the doc breaks his own rules and that's the whole pretense of the fact that we think he's dead in the first one. So why doesn't he do that to Marty? If that one point with the Rolls Royce doesn't happen, he becomes potentially a rock star. His life goes off in a completely different trajectory. (laughs) But I mean, Dave, don't get me wrong. I love this film. This isn't Chris being a dick and shitting on it, but you're right. When you step back, you think it was just, you wouldn't do that, would you, though, really? However, I'm with you. I am all in on this movie. I fucking love it, Dan. I love the fact that the sports almanac comes in and, and all that stuff. And Biff's there in the background, isn't he? Like, I've not seen a DeLorean, find DeLorean in 30 years. You know, I yeah. love all that. I absolutely love it. No, it is good. And I tell you, I mean, just before we move off Needles, did you recognize who that was? Needles. Um, yeah. It's not. Is it Flea out of? Red yeah, Red it's, yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, and again, I, I see this quite regularly, but I, for some reason, I just always forget that he's in it. Yeah, we got Billy Zane, <laughs> aren't you? Billy Zane's in the first one. As he's a, in the Hensman. first one. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's a big. He wasn't at the time, but he's a big movie star uh, for around the nineties, and that one. So, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's very good, Dave. It's very good. And and I think one thing you hit on as well when we were talking about earlier was the fact that why would you just dump Jennifer on a load of rubbish? You know, they do everything. Let's go <laughs> it's on. Mad, isn't it? it's just just leave her in the fucking car asleep. It just <laughs> yeah. makes no logical sense because anybody could grab her or anything, couldn't they? Yeah, and I think, you know, with the first movie, it felt really tight. You know, there were no major plot holes. There were no, you know, major leaps in logic. Whereas this does feel a, a bit looser and it doesn't really stand up to, to much scrutiny. Again, it is the nostalgia talking a bit because it, I love the movie so much. But the, there are a few things wrong with it, I think. But I tell you what, I, I, I love Chris. You know, when Marty turns up, to, to Biff's place, you know, and uh, he gets a choice of the easy way or the hard way. Um, well, he doesn't really get a choice, does he? He gets the, the easy way, smacked over the head. He comes around to Lorraine, uh, big chesty Lorraine. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, he's like, Mom, you're so big. And again, I just can't help but think back to the first one where he's practically a hair's breadth away from nailing her. And. <laughs> He's got an unhealthy relationship with his mom. I mean, you know, it's just again the way he's looking at her chest. There, it's it's not it's not right. No, it's not. I mean, can I just talk about something briefly that happens just before he goes back to eighty five? Yeah, Coincidentally, yeah, yeah. Biff's hotel is the Plaza Hotel in Las Vegas. That's what they use for the, the shots. So that hotel is actually is still in Las Vegas, in downtown Las Vegas. You know my love of Vegas, Dave. Oh, right, so, right. So that is a genuine building. It wasn't something. I think they just, I don't know if they did any location shots or it was just purely, they had the shots there. And then I think the rest of it was obviously studio, but the genuinely, the, the overall thing with Biff there, that is the Plaza Hotel in Las Vegas, 100% in downtown Fremont Street, uh, Vegas. So, right, anyway, right. fucking boy, you senseless, Dave. You know how much I love Vegas. <laughs> no, anyway, no, 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 that's good. It's good one. But, um, Actually, you're right, though. Before we get back to, to 1985, um, I mean, he he is... Um, so, Michael J. Fox, you mentioned it before. He plays his daughter as well. Yeah. And fuck me, that's freaky. Why, why, why couldn't they just get, like, just an actor, an actress, you know... You, you, like Jordan is not a clone of you. We couldn't no. stick a wig on you, and it's like, oh look, it's Jordan. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's, I just found that a bit, bit weird. Yeah, and like I said before, it, it was all over the papers at the time. I remember seeing the picture of Michael J. Fox on the stairs. However, the one thing that, even to this day, as much as I love this movie, that fucks me off is when she's shouting, "Mom, Mom," and Jennifer's like round trying to find out, and she sees old Marty come in, he does that deal with needles, he gets sacked and everything. And it's, it's when she comes out, she goes, mom, mom, is that you? And she does this weird, yeah. or he does this weird head flick and looks at the camera as if to say, it's actually me. And I'm like, it just looks so unnatural and ridiculous. I still can't. It makes me fucking cringe to this day, that bit, because I'm like, I don't get what they were trying to go for. I agree with you. There was no yeah. reason to do that. However, 
The one thing I want to talk about on this scene was the whole George McFly scene. So you've got Leah Thompson comes in as old man, old man, old woman uh, Lorraine. She comes in and goes, I've got, I'm going to hydrate a pizza. And he's like, uh, nobody hydrates a pizza like you, mom. And it comes in, it's like two inches long. And it's a massive pizza hut thing. But George comes in, he's upside down, George McFly. He's done his back on the golf course. And the whole pretense of that, and I know you know this, Dave, is that fact that Crispin Glover, what he top billing in this movie. He said he was as important in this movie as Michael J. Fox. He also said that he wasn't happy the fact that everyone got rewarded at the end of the original movie because Marty gets a truck and that and it should have been about love. I don't know what he was going on about. However, he's a very um, out there character. He's someone who's, who's not an oddball, but he, he's got different views sometimes to a lot of people. And he did cause a big fuss. But Dave, and you know this, I'll let you I'll lead into this, is the fact that he did actually sue Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis, didn't he? And and something happened yeah. with him that changed films forever after this point. Yeah. So basically, because they, because the studio just used his likeness, you know, and stuck him upside down. If you were watching it, you know, unless you've got a real keen eye, you wouldn't know that it wasn't him. And so uh, they changed the rules around uh, using actors' likeness. Now, again, I don't know how that's going to be challenged. Maybe we like CGI. I don't think uh, Peter Cushing had much of a choice about being in Rogue One, did he? <laughs> you know? no. but, um, yeah, so it, it did revolutionize it. And, and I guess he is a little bit out there. And, you know, the whole thing about, you know, well, he got rewarded by material things. It's the fucking 80s. <laughs> you know? So everyone was a bit, you know, materialistic and, and that way inclined. I, I like to think we've balanced out a little bit uh sort of since then so i i i can kind of one to five percent get where he's coming from but to demand top billing when clearly michael j fox is the star i mean you only have to look at the um the previous footage where uh, eric stoltz was in it and it the whole th- every, every scene was flat um, Michael J. Fox was the star, so he should have really just got over himself. Yeah, he, he should have. I mean, one of the stories was that he got less, he got offered less than his co-stars, like Leah Thompson, Thomas F. Wilson and that. But I think you've got three people, and you hit on this early, and you're right, the three people who make this trilogy are Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, and Biff Griff or Mad Dog Talent, whatever you want to call him. But Thomas F. Wilson, if you've not got them three ingredients in this movie, it doesn't work. All the others, even Lorraine, and I know Lorraine and, and George are the sort of they're a subplot to the whole direction of this. He's got to then react because his pair, his sister and brother are disappearing on that picture. I get it. And I do love George McFly's character. I love the stupid laugh, you know, the, uh, 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 you know, all that. That's all pop culture stuff. He's a great actor in the first one. He should have just took it because there was there was loads of things they were going to do with him. And even in the third one, when the fact that Marty then plays Seamus, a long-distance great-grandfather of Marty, that should have been Crispin Glover. But because of what happened, it had to be Marty, Marty McFly. It had to be Michael J. Fox who plays his great-granddad and stuff, or great-great-granddad. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was missed opportunities there. But however, it doesn't take away from the fact that Crispin Glover is brilliant in the first movie. It's just sad that they did what they did. I think it was a guy called Jeffrey Wiseman who played him, and they had to put prosthetic chin on him and everything just to make him... But you can clearly see later that he's not even the same height as Crispin Glover. He's obviously... He's not that far off Michael J. Fox in height, really. Yeah, so it's it's his loss, isn't it? And uh, he ended up with a truckload of money from suing them, so <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> he, he seems more the sort to me who's, who's uh, more interested in artistic artistic integrity than uh, the money. But but yeah, no. So uh, like I say, he's he's missed out there. But I, I find it a little bit strange that. Um, Biff was was actually going to kill Marty though. <laughs> you know, it seems could have just slung him in the nut house or something. He'd have a lot of influence with the local law enforcement, I bet. And so, yeah, to actually shoot him right there in his room, <laughs> I thought it seemed a, a little bit strange. But obviously, Marty gets away there, doesn't he? Yeah, and he and the doc he jumps off the building. The doc opens the door, sort of knocks him down, and that's where he's like. We've got to go back. Like, Where he goes, we've got to go back to 1985, uh, 1955. Now, again, I've got to say, Dave, I, I do think across the whole trilogy, watching him over and over again, I think at my favourite's probably, as I'm getting older, the third one. However, this is still a great movie, this. The first one's a great movie. The first one's close to the third one. I think out of all three, this is probably... Not the weakest, but it's the one that gels and knits everything together. Um, and it's still fantastic. So when they go back to 55, I love all that. I love all the fact that he's got his fucking uh, black leather jacket on with the, the walkie-talkies with the oh, dock. And mate. you've got you've got two docks there. Love it. I wanted that look, right? As a, as a yeah. young Dave, you know, going to the school disco sort of uh, shaking your hips a bit on the outskirts, you know, not actually dancing, but I, I wanted that look. <laughs> I, thought it was, I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen at that time in uh, sort of 1989, 1990 time. Yeah, I agree. It's it's funny, isn't it? Because there was so many, like I love the night trainers he has in the first ones. They're shitty, they're all rotten, but I used to think, oh, I'd love a pair of them night trainers. You know what I mean? And and this, I mean, they've all come back on themselves now, Dave. They're all the fashion now, aren't they? Them sort of style of American sort of half baseball uh, boots or basketball boots, whatever they are. I agree. I agree. However, I love the fact that when he, when he goes back to 55 and he's going to see Biff to get the almanac, and then you've got this clear thing where it's good trickery even now, Dave. It's difficult to even see a line but where you've got old man Biff and young Biff. And obviously Biff's there with Lorraine and, he, and he's like, uh, you know, you're going to be my wife. And he's because he, she's got a prom outfit and he's like, get in the car, Ten. And he's like, hey, old man. And he goes, get in the car. And he gets in the car after he's got out the manure. And when he drives him back to his garage and like young Biff's got his head turned the other way and he like, he's hanging on for dear yeah. life because they, can't, because they can't split that scene. But when they're sat there together, and the talking, it's brilliant. It, it, it's very difficult, Dave. And it wasn't CGI. It was they just cut two film yeah. reels, didn't they? And Thomas F. Wilson deserves a lot of credit because his acting's bang on to do when he's talking to himself. It's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, it, he's playing caricatures, isn't he? You know, it, 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 all his kind of characters are, are over the top. You know, young Biff, Griff, old man uh, Biff, and, and what have you. So. I, I, I I was looking at it closely again on on the Blu-ray, and and it is really really impressive the way they did that. And because like I say, you know, it'd be really easy to do digitally now, um, but it was all done on film. And so no no really impressive stuff. Yeah, it's brilliant. And again, we, we end up at the Enchantment Under the Sea dance from here. Marty ends up locked in the garage and Biff's got the almanac and he's checking results as he's driving up. And obviously we know what's going to happen because we've had hindsight of the first one. We know that the the new Marty who's come back has got to let 
the original Marty go through the motions. He's got not interfere with anything. There is a few questions because there's still a couple of things that happen here, especially with Biff's gang, that that would still have a an impact on the future, yeah. the way things go. However, even with Doc seeing his, his younger self and telling him that the wrench is a, a five-eighths or whatever it is, and that would still have an impact on whatever's going on. I'm sorry, it would somewhere down the line. So you've got, a, like you said, Dave, about the, you've got to dispel some of the believability of that because there's still little things that don't completely make sense. And even when he comes over, when when you see he's like uh, he goes in Strickland's thing, he doesn't. He's got that like porno mag, ooh la la, but he's put the almanac <laughs> <Ooh>, on, <laughs> ooh la la, yeah. And he's like, you get a little interaction with Strickland and Biff, which is the first real time, other than when in the first one Marty's there and they go have they have. I mentioned earlier about the fight in the canteen, and he's like, uh, you know, he's that, he's that alcohol tan. He's like, I don't know what alcohol is. I'm not 21. And but when he gets chinned by George and he comes over and smacks him and takes the almanac again more impacts on what should have happened in 85 and that. So you've got to separate any of the stuff we've been told in the first one, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, you say it's the, the weakest out of the trilogy. I, I think I prefer this one to, to number three, to be honest. I, I Again, I think there's lots wrong with it. It doesn't really stand up to scrutiny. Um, but I don't know, I just love it. Just gives me that warm, fuzzy feeling, you know, like a pair of slippers and a cocoa when it's pissing it down and cold outside with rain. So I, I, I don't know. I forgive it all, to yeah. be honest. <laughs> no, Dave, I, I, I swear to you, you know how much I love Back to the Future. This is not me going down one of my rabbit holes where I absolutely tear strips off it because I know one of my good friends who listens, Phil, he has a at work. He's got a DeLorean and a Doc Brown nice. figures on his desk. So, Dave, I am not going to be shitting on on back. I love Back to the Future. Honestly, if someone said to me, "Right, you've got three or four Blu-rays to take with you. You're going to be in a bunker, which you might be the way the world's going for the next month." I can watch the Back to the Future trilogy every couple of days and never get bored. I have watched it hundreds of times. So, I think all three of them stand up brilliantly. However, you do have to dispel a lot of the believability of the, of the time travel thing, a bit like what Tony starts as in the Avengers. So we're basing the whole time travel thing on Back to the Future, you know, because <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you've got to. However, it, I fucking love it. I love this movie so much. And and the fact that you got the parallels running of, of, of the way it all goes, I love. I do love it, Dave. I, I, I just think it's such a well-made movie. Yeah, I, I, and I think, you know, again, you can pick holes in it, but I, I do like, you know, the fact that when the doc, when they're in 1955, he sends original Marty back uh, to the future. And then you have uh, sort of like leather jacket Marty um, running around the corner after he's just done a little jig <laughs> it's like great scott I, I just think it's brilliant you know and um yeah i i, I can't help it I, I just love it i do it's one of the movies i think that always has a i have a permanent smile on when i'm watching it i i, I can't I, there's not many things that people can come at me and i won't especially the way we have our reviewing head on but back to the future i'll defend until my dying day dave i, I love these this trilogy i really do and and it's a family thing. My brothers love it. We all watch it like religiously. My sisters love it as well. It's it's just just such a feel good movie, isn't it? It's not yeah. too violent. It's not thing. It's just got a lot of things in it. You can say Sam loves it. I mean, 
Jordan, I don't know whether she'd ever watch it, but I think if she did watch it, she'd probably love it. She probably thinks it's too old or something, Dave. You know, forget that sometimes. She's 19. She's a <laughs> 2000 baby, so she, she'll have none of it. But it's just great. And there, I know I know sometimes, a bit like some of the Oasis stuff, like Wonderwall and Don't Look Back in Anger, where they're overplayed, it has been played on normal terrestrial UK TV religiously on ITV and it it's gone on for years it's literally yeah. on once a month one of them's on but I just don't watch him whenever on I just I always put the blu-rays on because I just think the quality's better and you don't get the adverts as well yeah no I think it is good and my kids like it you know again I think some of the themes Marty's uh unhealthy obsession um trying to constantly stop himself from nailing his mum is uh, being one of them you know so it's probably just me that's picking up on that when I'm watching it I don't think the kids do but yeah they, they, no. they are even though for the kids when they're going into the future and we're talking about some we're talking about a date that's in the past you know I, I sort of think well it's it's a bit hard to get your head around Max is, is like nine um and I think it was a bit tricky for him to to really understand because it's not about, you know, when you're watching it in, in the 80s, you've got the present, the past is in the 50s, and uh, the future is like 2015, isn't it? Whereas yeah, for Max watching it now, all of the dates are in the past. <laughs> so, it's, you know, when I say it, it's fairly timeless, you know, but if you actually start to think about it, um, and, and especially when you've got the two Martys running around and stuff, then then it can get a bit confusing. Yeah, and I, I, I do agree with that. And I think what's interesting, Dave, we watched this as kids, as like 10, 11, 12-year-old kids, right? I never thought that would get to 2015. And I was convinced watching this that there was fucking flying cars. We'd have hoverboards. <laughs> yeah. And we're here as like, what was a 15, four years ago, I was 37 then. And I'm like... He's fucking lied. We haven't even got the fucking Nike Air trainers. They've had to make them as a fucking fake. So, so yeah, it, it, I never thought in my lifetime we would get to the Back to the Future moment because the film meant so much to me. And I remember in 2015, like, oh, it's fucking shit. This on the news, like, this is the Back to the Future. And it was all over the world, wasn't it, what they did? And I just gutted, really, absolutely gutted that we, we haven't got, Technology has advanced so much, but the, the things that they predicted, and there was a lot of stuff like Apple Pay and that in some way, yeah. it was like paying with your card, your fingerprints. That's all there. But And they said that. There was loads of stuff they predicted was brilliant. However, the flying cars was the one, day. I'd, I'd fucking <laughs> give my left bollock to be able to drive a flying car, I'm telling well, you. Well, just uh, opening the door with the fingerprint. I, I, I think, yeah. you know, I, I, why don't we have that? I mean, that, w- that would seem to be something that was fairly easy but but we've gone down the route of like you know the internet smart devices and and stuff like that haven't we so uh, yeah, yeah we have advanced in other different ways i just want my fucking hoverboard chris <laughs> yeah sorry dave yeah the flying car hoverboard. I think hoverboard yeah I, i'd i'd get my skateboard skills back out with that dave i would if if, if hoverboards became the norm i'd be straight there dave i don't care how old i am i'd have one definitely yeah but when you're old Absolutely like brilliant. us falling over really hurts <laughs> <laughs> fucking speak for yourself Dave. You know I mean? <laughs> well with that you see you next Tuesday shall we go into our final review let's go
Now, Chris, do you want to go first this week? Yeah, no problem. So, Dave, I know I've had a bit of a joke, picked a few holes in this. It's still an absolutely fantastic movie. It, again, the whole trilogy is just one big pop culture um, uh, <laughs> um, thing. Yeah, that as well, thing. <laughs> yeah, but that's it. Pop culture feast, Dave. I'm that excited. I don't know what I'm fucking saying. It is so many things. The trainers, the hoverboard, the flying cars, everything about it is just as a kid. And, and I always say I'm not a science fiction fan, but this is pure science fiction. This is absolutely one of my favorite set of movies ever. And I'm not demoting this one, Dave, even though I don't think it's the worst, but I just think it glues everything together, the first and the second one. And I think I exhausted watching the first so many times as a kid. I'd sort of watch the first and go straight to the second and third because I always thought they were more interesting. However, as I've got older, I think the first and the third are my favourite ones. But it's going to Cloud City all day long, Dave. It's absolutely fantastic. You can't get away from the fact that Christopher Lloyd, Michael J. Fox and Thomas F. Wilson are absolutely at their best in this. And for anybody listening to this, if you've never seen it, what are you doing, people? You've got to go and watch it. It's absolutely brilliant. It's on Netflix as well, so there's no excuse. You can stream them straight away if you're on that service. Um, So, yeah, Cloud City, Dave, and I am not deviating. And I'll tell you now, when we watch the third one, that is going into Cloud City. So I just cannot (laughs) wait till we get to that review. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Well, I have to say, I'm disappointed. Yeah, I can't really argue with that trilogy. But uh, Leah Thompson, Chris, I mean, just even now can't help but get a little bit gooey eyed and as i said earlier you know um when when she was there for the 30th anniversary review um she's aged beautifully as well elizabeth shoe all day long for me dave oh well well that's all right at least we won't have to fight over it no not at all (laughs) sorry in the boys the tv show the boys that we've seen on amazon she's a mega in that dave and she's well in her 50s so yeah all day long elizabeth very good very good well i can't i can't argue with a lot of what you've said there i do think this in terms of the script there's a lot of there's a lot more holes and we discussed before how they kind of painted themselves into a corner by having her jet off to the future um a bit like where we said you know indiana jones could the events would have unfolded exactly the same without him (laughs) you know know, um uh, the doc just giving marty a little bit of advice uh would have you know cut out the whole the whole um need for the movie that's kind of how time works but um yeah despite all of that and despite its problems I just can't get over that warm, fuzzy feeling, that feel-good factor that this movie gives me. And I think as great and as the first one was and as tight as that script was, I think the second one for me, I kind of love this one a little bit more. I forgive it for all its faults. And the thing I remember thinking as a kid was just how clever it was and, and how it interwove the different uh, events from the first movie and, and, you know, it overlaid these different things that were happening. And so, like I say, for all the problems, the fact that you've got this Thomas F. Wilson, you know, he's, he's playing uh, playing Biff and old man Biff as well, all in the same scene. Again, this is 1989, 1990 when I, when I had, a, uh, had it on video. 
I just I just think it's fantastic. So for me, despite all of the nits that I've been picking, this is a cloud city for me as well. Good man, good man. I, I, brilliant review as well, Dave. Absolutely love that, what you say about the fuzzy feeling. Perfect description of the, the series, to be honest. So if you want to get in contact with us, guys, on Twitter, at VHS Strikes Back. Or if you want to email the show, the VHS Strikes Back at gmail.com. If you've got any suggestions that myself and Dave you want us to review, then get us uh, contacted on them social media channels and we will definitely put it on our list. We've got a couple on the list now from some of our great listeners as well. So thank you very much, guys, for everyone who's uh, contacted us with that. Uh, if you do like the show, again, as I say always, get onto your podcast catching app and just drop myself and Dave a review on the show. Just helps us grow and we get out there onto some of them at podcasting algorithms so dave fantastic thank you so much for letting us do this review i've absolutely loved it honestly it's one of the best ones we've done i love it so much uh, have you got anything to take us out with today dave see you next tuesday <laughs> <laughs> great scars <laughs> mom you're so big <laughs> We'll see you next time. Bye now. <laughs> That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we going to do now? What are we going to do? Maybe we could build a fire, sing a couple of songs, huh? Why don't we try that? We better get back because it'll be dark soon and they mostly come at night. Mostly. I'll be back. That's not. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Wax on, wax off. Go for it. Well, here we go. Ain't so bad. Ain't so bad. Ain't so bad. Ain't so bad. Ain't nothing. You must be crazy or something. I'm crazy. You're just a stupid Yeah, maybe you stupid. You're crazy. ain't breathing heavy. He's a fool. He's stupid. I've seen you in six months. I must break you.